Green has joined our community as the uh, um, church planning resident, um, and he is going to be with us for, for the next year as we're uh, as he's preparing, uh, as the Lord's preparing him and his wife uh, Anna to plant a church in Sharpstown called Christ Our Refuge Church. Um, so it is. I want to invite all of y'all um, to be able to pray um, for them and for the community of Sharpstown where they're going and plan to. And if the Lord is leading you to be a part of that, then you know, praise the Lord, and uh, we would love to send you out with Blaine and Anna. Um, so continuing prayers for them, and we're just so thankful that that Blaine and Anna are, are part of our community right now, and we get to to hear from Blaine and his his great wisdom. So. Uh, further ado, I will uh, turn it over to Denise, and then we'll hear from Blake. So before we jump into the message, we are reading the first two chapters of Job. Job 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus, Job did continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Yet while he was speaking, while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, 
the Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I come from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still holds fast his integrity, although you incite me against him to destroy him without reason. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand. Only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women who speak, would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept. And they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads towards heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was great. Thanks, Denise. Uh, guys, um, today we are in our, I'm Blaine Hooper, by the way, uh, the guy talking. Um, Today, we are in the second week of our uh, sermon series on rediscovering lament, conversations with God, bringing us uh, from hurt 
to hope, rediscovering what matters. And if, uh, if you're feeling like I am, man, that is, that is a hard story um, from the Bible. And in many ways, this sermon series is, is a hard series. Last week, we talked about uh, the distance between Genesis 1 and Genesis 3, uh, the root cause or why of lament. We talked about what we lost in Eden. Really, what should have been is what was. Life with God, harmony um, within ourselves, without ourselves, with people, and with the creation that we were supposed to steward and shepherd and have dominion in, in, in a cultivating sense. And all of that was broken or lost uh, in the fall. And, and the root of that loss is this feeling that we are far from God's presence. And that is a central theme of lament uh, in the Bible itself. Do you guys know that at least a third of the Psalms of the Bible are lament Psalms? And, and if you look at the, the poetry, especially the Old Testament, much more lament uh, is in there than when we would really uh, just recognize, um, including the book of Job. It's like one giant lament. We're talking about lamentations next week. That's obviously lament too. But there was hope. Last week we talked about the solution is uh, the hope is in who God is, in who Jesus is. And the seed of the woman was promised to come, according to Genesis 3, to crush the head of the serpent. And, and, and in crushing Satan and everything that he stands for, and everything that he causes uh, in death and sin and pain and suffering, uh, we have freedom in the gospel um, by a lamb that was sacrificed for us. And the picture of that lamb of, of the blood of Jesus covering us, his righteousness covering us, his sacrifice is there in Genesis uh, 3 as well, and, and the God who suffers with us. This week, we are in Job. Um, Job is about faithfulness in suffering. I have a friend uh, named Kim, and I, I've known Kim for 20 plus years. It's my best friend's Stepmom. Kim has a, a rare genetic condition called cystic fibrosis. Many of you uh, medical professionals know that it is a very, very painful condition. Um, basically, the lungs harden up because of mucus, and, and even the common cold can kill you. And so Kim grew up in and out of the hospital, in and out of the hospital, not being able to do really anything that normal kids would do, or normal young adults would do, or normal adults would do. And yet, Kim always persevered. Uh, she always had a word of encouragement or always has a word of encouragement. On her 30th birthday, it was really actually almost crazy that she lived at 30. Most people die uh, by the age of 20 um, with that condition. She got a double lung transplant and she lived uh, and she has lived another 20 years um, and, and really persevered in that. That hasn't been easy either for her. Three days ago, we found out that Kim um, has, a, has a rare form of cancer. Uh, and of course it would be a rare form of cancer. And, and that, that's hard. That's, that sucks if I can, if I can say that, guys. Um, it's, just, it's just hard. She's actually receiving treatment here at MD Anderson. You should be praying for, for Kim. Job 5, uh, 7 said that man is born for trouble as sparks fly upward. And, and that, that's true of Job, as we just read. And that, that's true in Kim's life and all of ours, too, because we're all going to experience loss in some way. Um, maybe not all at once, like Job. 
but, but loved ones have passed and will pass. And um, we will experience death as a result of the fall. We live in that world. And so we can pretend like it's okay, or we can learn to lean into the God who laments with us. We need to know how to lament as, as people. Um, and we need to learn from people like him. And we need to learn from, from the wisdom of Job, which is why we read about Job's clearly un, undeserved suffering in chapters one and two. Now notice, guys, I haven't said anything about why. We're all wondering why. God, why Job? Why Kim? Why Grandma? Why, why me, really? But I'm going to be really honest with you guys. That's not a question that the book of Job answers. So as a pastor, I can't answer a question the book uh, does not answer. Um, what the book of Job tells us is what faithful lament looks like, what the lament of the faithful looks like for us in, in a suffering, uh, you know, in a world that suffers inevitably. Uh, all the New Testament authors, all the apostles, um, believed that suffering was normal for the people of God. Paul said in Romans that if, if your children and heirs to receive an inheritance, you're going to suffer with Jesus. And Jesus suffered. So we need to learn from Job. Um, and, 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 and thankfully for us, there are real discernible steps of faithfulness in the book of Job. So let's lean in. And I'm going to summarize because we already read together. And I, and I wanted to read it together so we could slow down and let us marinate in what God is saying. So one, who is Job? He's a man in the land of Uz, which is a, a location southeast of Israel. And um, he's a saint, as we'd say in modern English, right? He, he's, first of all, he's blameless and upright. That doesn't mean he's without sin. In fact, he later sins in the book. But it means that in general, uh, he fears God and he repents or he turns from evil. Job is also a man who is incredibly blessed. You guys know the richest person in Texas? It's Alice Walton, the, you know, the, the daughter of the founder of Walmart. She is worth, according to Forbes, $44.9 billion. Let's call it $45 billion, all right? Close enough, right? Um, I would take that point $1 billion. Actually, uh, <laughs> she, she is so rich, right, that, that she could drop, you know, a million dollars and wouldn't even, wouldn't even, like, miss it, right? Job was at least as rich. He says the greatest man in the East as Alice Walton is in Texas. Uh, and Job is also uh, blessed in the fullest sense, like right, that, that Genesis 1 says, go forth and multiply. He has multiplied, or God has multiplied children for him. He has 10 children. And he's also uh, not only blameless and blessed, he is very humble, right? He sacrifices on behalf of his kids. Uh, this guy is, he's truly a saint as we think about it, right, in English. But something happens to Job. Um, testing happens to Job in verses 6 through 12. God is holding court uh, with the angels of God, the sons of God, as it calls. And apparently as an angel, uh, a fallen angel, Satan still has access to the throne of God, at least when this was written. And Satan is allowed to test Job, right? And, and if we're honest, God sovereignly preempts the conversation and he says in verse 8, if you guys have a Bible, you could, you could read with me, but it's up here. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? 
Have you not put a hedge around him and his house on all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. Um, Satan's core thesis, guys, is that Job and all of us, anyone really, is that people only fear God. They only worship God for what he can give him. Um, and, and, and so Job really is, is a book about the worth of God, the worthiness of God. And God, of course, allows it to play out um, in a kind of awful way for Job. What happens? Um, well, first of all, he loses, uh, he's sitting there at, at his house and he loses um, all of his oxen and his donkeys uh, and they're taken away. So all of his, his finances and then the rest of his finances take the sheep and the servants, his household. Um, back then, people served with the same guy or family for their whole lives. And, um, and, and, and that would be enough to wreck most of us, right? If you lost everything you had, I mean, Harvey happened, it came and it, it, it just knocked down or flooded so many people's houses. And, and you guys know in 1929, when the stock market crashed, uh, there were hundreds of businessmen who killed themselves because they lost all they had. They didn't even lose their family. And then the worst thing that could possibly happen happened um, to Job. He lost all 10 of his sons and his daughters. A couple days ago, uh, Micah, you saw the red-haired kid who was popping in and out. Uh, he decided to run out the doors of a big lots into the parking lot, right, in an instant. That was terrifying. I, I think about that. We got him, right? But like, I think about what could have happened and it just that, just that thought right now, it stresses me out. Um, to think about sitting in that losing 10 kids, I can't imagine. I mean, how does, how does Job respond? Well, well, Job's response, I think is the first uh, key pattern of faithful lament and that's worship. And that's unbelievable to us, but look at verse 20 right here. It says, then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. Uh, the word nephal, uh, it me and chabad, they, they mean to fall down and worship. They're used of angels and people falling down um, before God is king to worship him. That, that really almost, I mean, it seems impossible to me, that, that level of faith. And then he says further in verse 21, what worship looks like is, uh, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He, he pronounces blessing on the name of the Lord. He holds on to God's goodness. Guys, worship biblically isn't just um, celebrating all the things that God has, has done for us. Um, there is such a thing as worship in real grief. He tears his robe. He shaves his head. Uh, signs of grief in the ancient Near East. Um, Job's lament, his worship looks like recognizing the greatness of God, uh, the, the ability of God um, to decide who gets what, when they get it, right? Um, it, it's attributing to God his grace and his worth, even in great suffering. That is, that is a type of, of, of honesty, but humility and faith that that I think that we can't scarcely recognize. And we have to ask God to give us that kind of faith. Now in chapter two, a similar thing happens um, to Job in terms of the heavenly courtroom. 
uh, God again points out Job's faithfulness uh, in, in verse three. And he says, look, look, uh, Job is faithful even in all the stuff that's happened to him. He's still blameless and upright. In the end of verse three, he says, Job still holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. And, and Satan said, uses a, a euphemism, skin for skin. Um, it was like a trading euphemism. Like, you give, I give you a skin of an animal and you give me one back, right? So basically what Satan says is that still the same thing, that, that Job really only loves you because you've given him everything, and, and including his life. He's still saying Satan is greatly insulting God. He's saying, God, you're only worthy of worship because of what you give to people. God, you are not intrinsically valuable in and of yourself. Uh, and this brings us to kind of a second key lesson of lament, of faithful lament from Job. And that is holding fast uh, to God's sovereign goodness, holding fast to God's sovereign goodness. And so we know that, that Satan goes out and he, he afflicts Job with a terrible uh, wasting kind of disease from head to toe. And it's extremely brutal. Um, I mean, think about how much a canker sore kind of hurts and bothers you, right? Can you imagine that covered over your entire body? And, and his wife ends up, I assume, leaving him here. In verse 9, he says, or she says to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die curse God and die. Um, she says, do you still hold fast to your integrity? This word hold fast, hazak, is, is this really, really strong uh, gripping image uh, in, in the scriptures. And we had a baby uh, three months ago. I, I find it incredible just the ability, the grip strength of newborn babies, so frail. A lot of you guys have kids. Um, it's great that we're seeing it, but but baby Will could, could hang on with the best of them. You know, a, a newborn actually can, can support his or her own body weight right out of the womb. That's incredible. And that is the picture of Job um, holding fast, clinging to God's sovereign goodness. Job still believes uh, in who God is. Job still clings to God with, with faith. And that's seen in verse 10. Uh, Job says to her, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Um, the, the key to lament for us is clinging to faith, clinging to who God is, trusting in his sovereign goodness. Job's instinct really is incredible in this, isn't it? Uh, and it makes me kind of ask all of us, like, what's our first instinct um, in, in, a time of, uh, in a time of great suffering? What, what is our first instinct in lament? And my first instinct, guys, is to plug in this computer because it's about to die. Sorry, hold on. Okay. Amateur hour. Okay. All right, guys. We're back. Uh, what's our first instinct in suffering? You know, guys, when, when a car cuts me off in traffic, 
or cuts you off, what is the first thing that comes out of your mouth, right? That's what's in your heart, right? Like, is it bless you? Oh, you must be going to work or you must be late for work or maybe you're going to the hospital. No, it, it generally isn't that, right? Um, Job's first instinct is faith, is worship, is, is clinging to God. Uh, and so my question is, how are you experiencing loss right now? What is your instinct in loss, in the loss of uh, financial stability, in the loss of loved ones, perhaps due to COVID, in, in, in the loss or strain on relationships due to this uh, pandemic or crisis or, or seeing injustice in the world? What is, what's your kind of default setting as a follower of Christ? And I'm going to be really brutal here. I mean, if, if, if I or, or we're not going to God in faith as our first instinct, we might be guilty of the kind of relationship or, or the kind of this for that, skin for skin kind of relationship that Satan says. We might not really have that kind of faith. We might just be into God because of what he can give us um, and not because he, he is intrinsically worthy of our, uh, of our adoration and, and devotion and because we love him. Um, and if, if we're guilty of that kind of faith in times of loss or lament, we're basically kind of making ourselves God. We are saying, God, you exist. Uh, you exist so that I can bend your will to mine. Um, and I, I think, guys, we're, if we're honest, we're all guilty of that. Um, we're all guilty of that at times. And, and that's cause for repent. Now, in the, in the rest of the story, we don't have time to obviously read all 42 chapters of Job. But you guys notice that, that three men have, have approached Job to give him comfort and counsel in his time of grief. Um, and Job, even as a great man of faith, his faith, guys, if we're honest about who he is, there are no perfect characters in Scripture besides Jesus, by the way. This is you know, not a criticism of Job, but, but his faith starts to, to, to kind of waver and break at points along the journey because these guys come and basically accuse Job um, like Satan accuses Job. And basically they say, look, you're, you're, you know, you're just a wicked guy and we're your friends, but you've done something wicked. God is obviously punishing you because you've, you've um, committed adultery. You, you've struck down the innocent. You've oppressed the poor. Um, there's something that you must have done for God to afflict you in this way. And, and we know that's not true, literally from verse one. And so what follows is this conversation between really three parties, Job and God, and then Job's three friends who kind of act as a unit. And it goes round and round and round. And, and Job protests his innocence and he laments the fact that he has such miserable counselors. And he, and he asks for justice from God and he does ask why, and he wishes he was dead. And, and at a certain point, he really starts to go off the, roll, the rails. He he begins to bitterly complain against God um, in asking why and not hearing that answer from God. And, and it's great that Job has an honest conversation with God. Um, but in the midst of personal attacks, his faith starts to waver. And guys, it's not wrong to ask why. And he does so over and over and over. I think where Job sins or where, where, the, where the book of Job says that Job sins is when he accuses God 
of injustice, of perverting justice. In 19.6, God, Job basically uses this word to say that God uh, has put me in the wrong, which is a way of saying in Hebrew, he has, he has bent justice. He has put his finger on the, that God has, is, is using a double standard or, or God is not just. He's literally putting his finger on a scale um, to prove himself right. And, and we know when lament has gone off the rails, when we become bitter. We know, I think when we're bitter, when we begin to say things about God and others that are not true. And this bitterness ends up destroying us. And, you know, we do have a right to ask questions, but we do not have a right to, to call God a liar, to call God unjust. Um, and God's answer to Job, guys, is brutal. Uh, he speaks through uh, another friend that shows up on the scene. And, and basically what God says in the last three, four chapters of the book is he's like, I don't owe you an explanation, Job. Were you there when I created the heavens and the earth with a word? Right? Were, were you there when I created all living things? You know what a whale does in the middle of the bottom of the ocean? Right? Do you, do you know um, what a falcon does in the air right, or why he does it? No, but I, I do. You weren't there. And guys, that, off, that really kind of sounds like a parent saying, because I told you so. Um, but, but God has a right to, to say, I told you so. And that, that's tension for us. That's not an answer per se. It's not the one we wanted at least. But Job, to his credit, in the end of the book in chapter 42, um, he, he admits that, that he'd gone too far in his questioning of God um, and calling God not good. And at the end of, uh, of the book, in chapter 42, uh, basically Job says this in, in verse 1 and 2. He says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me for which I didn't know. Um, and then in verse five, he says, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you clearly. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust, dust and ashes. I think the last key of, of faithful lament for us is admitting our limitations and repenting. I think, I think the last key is admitting our limitations and repenting. My son, Micah, doesn't know why he can't put a fork um, in an outlet. He doesn't know why, right? And, and literally, when I told him not to do that, he was crying and screaming, but, but, um, but, but I'm the parent. I know better. And guys, the, the key here of lament isn't in knowing more, right? It's actually in recognizing that you know less, that, that we are finite, that we are limited, that we are sinful. And there's, there's a sense, guys, we're not going to understand the wise, all of the wise. We might understand some of them in suffering, but the hope isn't in knowing everything. We're never going to know everything. We're not going to be omniscient in heaven either. The hope is always in who God is. It's, it's in who he revealed himself to be and what kind of God that we know that is. I, and we have to trust that, that God has revealed himself or enough about himself for us to know whom he is forever. Um, in Romans chapter 5, this is the kind of God who is. Um, and, and you can't take faith out of the equation. We know who God is because of the cross of Christ. In Romans chapter 5, 
verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. It's the same word in the Greek translation of the Old Testament that is used of Job. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That, that is the kind of God who is. Um, God poured out injustice in a way. Jesus took the justice that was rightly ours um, so, so that we could be called right with God. And so really, guys, as, as beggars before God, we... we um, we can struggle with God's will, as we should. We should enter that conversation with God. Um, but the cross of Christ proves that, that God is good, um, that, that he is enough. And the cross of Christ and the resurrection of Christ will always be enough hope for us. Let's pray. God, um, give us um, the faith to worship in pain. Um, give us the kind of faith that clings to you as our first instinct. God, I repent. Um, of asking you why sinfully. Um, I, 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 I repent, I guess, with my brothers and sisters of wondering what you're up to and, and challenging your goodness in, in a difficult uh, pandemic for the world, God. Um, we cannot find fault with you, God. Um, you have only showed us love. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks, boy.